What's going on, Bears fans? Sports betting season is in full force with the NFL officially back, which means you need a sports book with integrity and longevity like BetUS. BetUS have been pioneers in the sports book industry for almost three decades, thriving and paying their loyal customer base. And they have loads of bonuses. Join now, join now at BetUS.com today and receive a 125% sign-up bonus by using bonus code CHICAGO125. BetUS is known as America's favorite sportsbook for a lot of reasons. BetUS has all your NFL games with team and player props and loads of NFL futures and odds. In addition to the NFL, you can bet on college football, PGA golf, UFC matches, and more. They have every bet type imaginable, and the BetUS mobile platform is easy to use with full betting options. Follow my lead and get your phone online and social sports betting partner with integrity and longevity like I did. Cash in on your 125% sign-up bonus at BetUS.com with our code CHICAGO125. BetUS. You bet. You win. You get paid. BetUS. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up-to-date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible, and welcome to our Chicago Bears Week 5 preview show. We're all set to discuss everything that you need to know before kickoff as we'll take a deep dive into all three phases, explaining what challenges the Bears will face and game plan around them. Plus, we'll also make our weekly predictions. This is going to be a lot of fun. I'm your host, Will DeWitt, and for this week's game preview, I have both of my co-hosts here with me, Nicholas Moriano and mason west and yesterday we met the raiders with a great interview uh, with a special guest scott galbronson and if you missed that episode i do encourage you uh, to go back and give that a listen because in that episode as well nick and i also discussed the breaking news that justin fields has been officially named the team's qb1 and mason since you weren't on that pod i just wanted to kind of kick things off today by giving you the floor to maybe share your thoughts as to what this move means to you, uh, us as a fan base, and more importantly, perhaps this Bears team. Let's go. I mean, that's literally what I did when I first saw it. If I have every time that there's a, a press conference going on, I throw it up on the TV in my clinic just to bug everybody that's in there, the couple of Packers <laughs> fans that filter in and everything. And they announced that, and I, I was ecstatic. And, uh, you know, then when you settle down a little bit, you start thinking about it, and you really realize how important this is because just having that indecision I mean not to compare but to compare you know I remember back in high school we had this whole controversy which quarterback is it is it going to be you know this one or this one and it sucks because if you're one of those guys in the locker room you do like both guys you do want to support them both but you also know who you would really rather have and this back and forth is hard for everybody you know will he won't he that whole thing and so to have to be to know to be like okay this is who the starter is especially in this scenario where it is the future like it wasn't like it was a you know teddy bridgewater drew lock conversation where it's kind of like it could go either way and you know one of them might be the quarterback for the prolonged period you knew it was going to go to justin eventually 
So why not go now? And when you have a game like the Lions game, yes, it's the Lions. But when you have a game like that where it's decidedly positive, to go away from that, I mean, you can imagine a storm that would be brewing. So it, it was something I'm very excited about. We can move on, be done with it. Obviously, there's a part of me that's like, oh, it just sucks for Andy Dalton. I mean, it, he, the consummate professional, the things Justin Fields said in terms of Andy calling him, saying he's going to be in his corner the whole time. He's there from wherever he needs it. You know, there's only one starting quarterback, and not everyone can have one. Uh, we're lucky enough at this point, I would say, to have a probably the best backup quarterback in the league right now, you could say. Uh, someone that could, if you if Justin went down with an injury, you know, knock, knock on wood, that you would be like, okay, Andy Dalton's coming in. He's going to protect us for a game or two, and then we'll move on. Yeah, I'm glad that you were able to share your two cents and kind of give us your vibe check because I missed you yesterday, and I knew you were probably just salivating, like, I need to get behind the mic. I need to let Bears fans know how I feel because you've been, since week one, you know, clamoring, you know, free Justin, and he's free. He's the Bears QB1, and I'm excited for this future. Nick, I know you had a real busy day at work, and I guess it hasn't gotten much better after the fact for you or for us. Uh, Nope. So uh, you'll see that. No. I mean, it was a busy – it's been busy because of college essays, but I got the notification today, Will, like, credentialed. I'll be – you know, in Vegas this, this weekend. So that, that was exciting to get that, you know, among like all the, you know, the work that I was doing that day. So yeah, I'll be in Vegas for this, for this weekend's game just to check it out. And so I'm really looking forward to that, but it has been busy. It has been, I meant like the white Sox is where I was kind of going with that. Oh yeah. I, I tried to forget about that. Cause yeah, I can tell honestly, like this is the score uh, speaks for itself and hopefully the white Sox rebound. Cause you know, we, they were one and done last year so you'd like to see them actually make a deep playoff run yeah well this is not a baseball podcast we're not going to get too deep into that but i just wanted to it's not an iowa podcast either no, no. did i get the wrong link you oh, did God. i'm surprised you haven't started one of those yet a uh, different topic here for a different day perhaps maybe yeah maybe but guys <laughs> let's get into the meat and potatoes of today's show and i want to begin with the bears offense Last week, Bill Lazor took over play-calling duties, and we saw a huge shift in the identity of this offense. They relied heavier on the run, and they're also able to dial up some of the deep shots that we didn't see with Nagy calling the plays. We also learned this week that the team was gaining some player input as to what should be in the game plan. And even though the Lions didn't boast a good defense, I'll call all of what I saw still a welcomed progress uh, from this offense. So after a few days to reflect on last week's game, are there any positives that you want this offense to build on here this week? And uh, Nick, I'll go right back to you. Well, I think you want to continue to see this offense be built around this rushing attack. I think that's where you can set up those downfield shots. And that's going to be interesting how the Bears kind of approach this for at least the next five weeks for the time that David Montgomery is out due to injury. But I think you still want to see that be a focal point in this Bears offense. I, I don't know if you guys heard Brandley Staley's quote earlier from this week about what he talked about the run game and the physicality that it brings in. That's that's exactly like even if it's not effective, it shows you know what there's still there's still positives to it. So even though the Bears do not have David Montgomery for like I said the next couple of weeks, you still would like to see them find ways to effectively pick up grounds on or yards on the ground because that will can set things up for those deep shots that we finally saw in the win against Detroit. 
Now, you mentioned David Montgomery. I have to give Mason some props here. Uh, sitting next to him in the press box uh, when the injury happened, and he whips out the binoculars. I think I mentioned this on the postgame show, but he's automatically going into, like, okay, they're testing this, they're testing that. Mason, I don't have the, you know, the medical mumbo-jumbo technical jargon here in the top of my memory, but I was like, oh, okay. And then we get into the postgame, and you gave your insight of what you think this can be in the timetable, and not to toot your horn too hard here, but... You kind of nailed it. Well, I appreciate that. You know, I, I like to think that all the schooling I did paid off for something, even if it's just <laughs> you know, being able to, to say sports injuries. But, uh, man, it it's it stinks that that's my forte. I wish it was something a little little of a different area. But, but yeah, it, just seeing the mechanism, mechanism of injury that, that he went through, it didn't seem like it was going to be catastrophic. I mean, it's everyone. some people are freaking out four to six weeks. That's really a pretty solid thing to happen right i mean it could have been season ending now we know yes this year is not exactly like you know super bowl aspirations or anything like that but you know we've seen what can happen when you have an acl injury you know Tariq cohen and all of a sudden they're not back when they're supposed to be not everybody is adrian peterson not everyone is saquon barkley uh now dave montgomery is a cyborg like i've said before he came back from that groin injury way faster than i thought he would have uh but at the end of the day you know a ligamentous injury is nothing to mess with and you know Hopefully he does. The Bears are conscientious with that, right? We Hopefully this week and the next couple of weeks, we can see that guys like Damian Williams, that a Khalil Herbert can step up and let Dave Montgomery take the time to heal fully and not have to rush back. For sure. Without a doubt, Mason, while uh, you have the floor, is there a positive on offense that you saw on Sunday that you're hoping carries over into this week? I, I like to start these conversations with the positive note, especially since last week we didn't have that opportunity uh, coming out of that week three disaster. So I do want to make sure we can highlight a positive. Do you have one to share, uh, kind of start things off for us? Yeah, for me, it's a combination of two things. A, it's the swagger, and B, it's the base of, of an actual offense, right? So there were the play design wasn't necessarily the most intricate going in that Lions game. And that's probably why we did see, I mean, there was a lot of help. We asked for that. Like, you know, the fans were clamoring. It's probably the team was asking, hey, let's have some more chip blocks. Let's leave the tight ends in. And we saw that. And once you develop that, once you can have that on film, that's when you can start to exploit those matchups because teams are going to think, okay, Cole Komet's sitting on the edge there. He's going to block. No piece slips out. Now you can get a tight end more involved, right? And that's when you can get the running back screens. So when you have that and you can build momentum, then you can start to create a real offense. And just, again, to go back to that first point, the swagger that was there. Like, you hear, like, the quote that I believe Justin basically went to a Lions player and was like, who are you? <laughs> you know, like, you don't, you don't get that from a lot of quarterbacks. Like, no offense to an Andy Dalton, no offense to a Nick Foles, no offense to a Mitch Trubisky. I don't buy that. Someone says that to me, I'm like, no, who are, who are you? Like, I don't know who you are. But when you have someone like a Justin Fields say that, you feel that. You feel that in the locker room. You feel that in the huddle. And that's something that you can build off of. Really good stuff there, Mason. I do want to focus and switch our attention over to this Raiders defense and see what we have here in front of us. Uh, we learned that they have some serious injury concerns in the secondary after losing multiple cornerbacks last week. Uh, so there looks to be a mix of inexperience and lack of chemistry at that position for Las Vegas. Our guests also mentioned that the team hasn't been good against the run. They do give up the fourth most yards per attempt at 4.9, and they rank 23rd in rushing yards allowed per game 
game at 132.2. But this is a Raiders team that is still very good at pressuring quarterbacks. Uh, They are, if you look at the sack numbers, middle of the road, uh, just averaging over Uh, 2.2 per game. Uh, But they do tend to get consistent pressure on QBs. Uh, If you look at their uh, PFF's pass rush grades per unit, they do have the best pass rush grade of any defense so far this season. Uh, By a good margin, they have a grade of 87. The next highest is 82. And for what it's worth, the Bears are ranked 10th for their defense at 73.5. So let's start by looking at a challenge uh, that you believe this Raiders defense is going to pose to this Bears offense. And Nick, I want to go to you first. What gives you the, the most concern? I think it's because our guests also told us that with Gus Bradley's defense for the Raiders, they're able to apply pressure without really blitzing. So if they're able to consistently apply that pressure and beat the edge, you know, the tackles or whatever, whoever may be on the Bears offensive line and do that without pressure, man, that I think that opens up for what, the, you know, the Raiders can do, obviously, defensively, but that also can limit what the Bears are want to try to do. Maybe try to attempt those deep shots. So it's not that it's, it's a huge concern because I think we saw the offensive line take some steps forward against the Detroit Lions, but you do want to see – how now you translate from the Lions to the Raiders. And you you know, you gave out the the scores in terms of PFF and what they're able to do with the pass rush. So it's if Gus Bradley's defense can apply that pressure without bringing any extra defenders, that's where things get interesting, and that's where I have my concerns, and that's where it maybe can change how this Bears offense wants to operate. Yeah, that's my number one concern listed here. It's the pass rush off the edges. Uh, Max Crosby, he does lead the NFL with 30 pressures. Uh, they also have another top 10 player in uh, Nag- uh, Nagokwe, Nagakwe, right? I, I, I'm not exactly pronounce yeah. it. Yeah, I got one this week. Uh, He has 18. Uh, He's also in the top 10. Uh, For context, that's 21 more combined pressures than Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn uh, have at this stage of the season. And it's two more than Miles Garrett and Clowney have in Cleveland. So the Bears' tackles are going to be tested as much, if not slightly more, than they did a couple weeks back on the road yet again in Cleveland. And we saw how that winded up. So that's why this is number one my bona fide top uh, concern heading into the week. Mason, do you have any others that you wanted to bring to the table? So for me, you know, like Nick said, Gus Bradley's defense does a pretty good job with applying pressure, but they also do a good job. And I'm surprised, Nick, you didn't talk about this of limiting explosive plays. Cause that's one of your favorite things to talk about. Uh, they allow just 10 completions of 20 plus yards, which is sixth fewest in the NFL. Now, as Bears fans, we just got a taste of this, what explosive pass plays look like, and it would be a real shame if that all of a sudden stopped one week later. So the Bears offense really has to be creative in terms of creating those explosive pass plays because you can't assume you're going to get those explosive run plays that you've been getting due to Dave Montgomery not playing in this game. Now, with that, you have to look at, like, who are the top options, right? Usually you would say probably Montgomery, Mooney, Robinson would be your top three. You don't have Montgomery, who's going to step up? Right now, Marquise Goodwin ranks sixth worst passer rating when targeted with a rating of 27.1. So he's not really giving you a lot with only five receptions on 10 catches. Cole Komet has as many catches as Damian Williams, your backup running back, who has really not gotten a lot of play time. Tamir Bird has three catches for 19 yards. So where's going to be, where's that third option, right? If, you know, if they're really looking at Mooney, if they've, if let's say they bottled the run a little bit, they're looking at Robinson. I'm looking at someone to sneak up and we can talk about him later. But, yeah, I think there's a little gadget that's going to be thrown in for this to really create a little more of that explosiveness. All right. And 
if I want to keep looking at this Bears offense, I have an internal concern uh, on top of just what uh, the Raiders bring to the table, and that's just third-down offense in general. Last in the NFL, only 29% on the year. They're their only team, sub-30. Uh, the Bears do need to find a way to convert them more of these. Uh, they did a good job avoiding them on scoring drives last week. Um, but I still want to see this offense be able to convert on third down. Uh, that keeps the defenses on the field a little bit longer. Uh, it makes defenses more susceptible uh, as well because you know that this offense, what drives me crazy is like you know these guys have a mental block. They go out there, they see the big three on the, on the stick, and they're like, yeah, we're, not, we're off the field. We're not going to make this. Like They need to be able to get over that hurdle. They've been god-awful on third down, and they need to build some confidence uh, with that as well. So that's one of my internal concerns. Uh, with this Bears offense. And, you know, we've talked about some of the ways this Raiders defense has struggled versus some of the ways that they're good. I want to know, Nick, what do you think the Bears offense can do to take advantage of this defense this week? Is it, you know, the run defense, despite no David Montgomery? Uh, can they maybe use their Raiders' aggressiveness uh, against them as well? As well? Uh, I'm just curious your thoughts here. Well, I think what the Bears should try to do, and again, try, is to really attack the middle of this Raiders defense, especially when they're in the red zone. When you look at Justin Fields' passing chart and what Bill Lazor was kind of asking him to do, only 17 passes, right? A majority of those passes were towards the right side of the formation and kind of towards that right sideline area. But when I looked at Justin Herbert and what he was able to do just on Monday night against this Raiders defense, you see his 38 pass attempts pretty evenly spread out. You had 18 to the left side, 19 to the right side, but two of those touchdowns in the red zone were towards the middle of the field, and Justin Fields didn't really have any of those types of passes. Both those touchdowns also went to tight ends, which can't happen in the Bears' offense because they don't use the tight ends in the passing game, but it would be nice to see if the Bears, and we also got to keep in mind, this is about Justin Fields growing as a player, so you're going to want to have him kind of spread the ball out throughout the entirety of the field, so one area that the Raiders kind of left open the middle of that end zone and it was to the tight end so that's one area that I think the Bears should try at least try to attempt they have a guy named Cole Command Jimmy Graham maybe they can get open back there but easier said than done but attack the middle of the field in this red zone I would love to see if we can get the tight ends going Uh, that was one of my uh, ways I thought the Bears offense could take advantage of this defense. Uh, In the last two weeks, the Raiders have allowed 16 catches and 156 yards to tight ends. But I say that, and I know in the same stretch, uh, in that same exact time frame, our tight ends have two catches (laughs) for 17 yards. Huge difference. Uh, But maybe uh, this is the week. Uh, Big maybe. Bold, underlined, and a tower size. But Mason, uh, do you have a way that you think this Bears offense can kind of get moving against this Raiders defense? Well, you mentioned it earlier. You know, the Raiders are missing some key players on defense in that secondary. Trayvon Mullen hasn't participated so far. Uh, Damon Arnett hasn't either. So with that trickle effect, I'm curious if the Bears can really attack in the slot. And there are a couple ways they can do that. The tight ends, for sure, are a way they can do it. Maybe you split out a Damian Williams and you have a Quill Herbert in the backfield. But there was also just a recent acquisition that I think is really interesting, right? You got some speed, which is clearly what the Bears were trying to do. But so far, the players haven't really been done that at all in any way, shape, or form. Can a Jakeen Grant be used in the slot? You know, he's very similar to Tariq Cohen. Same height, a little lighter, so he's not going to necessarily carry the ball in the backfield like a Tariq Cohen would. Uh, But if you go back to that 2018 season, one of the reasons that 
Nagy talked about why the Eagles were able to do what they did against him was they lost that that modifier, that matchup that's a little funky when, they, when Trey Burton wasn't there. And then all of a sudden, the Eagles could really key on a Tariq Cohen. So now, in theory, if you bring in another one of those modifiers, someone who, and Jakeem Grant, maybe that can do something in a slot for now that they have a little less cornerback depth there. Someone that can do the jet sweeps, maybe if more efficiently than the Bears have run it in the past. A wide receiver screen that has a Cole commit, a JV Holtz blocking instead of putting a Demir Bird as your lead blocker. That is, having a player like that, whether it's him, you know, again, we talked about the tight ends, maybe a Damian Williams split out wide. Just taking advantage of some of those matchups are going to be a little funky at this point because you don't have that true maybe nickel that normally would be there. Yeah, I mean, we've seen that on our defense. We know how hard it is to overcome when you have a, a non-nickel to, that you can rely on and how easily offenses can pick uh, on that guy. And I, I think that inexperienced at cornerback is a huge opportunity for the Bears. The Raiders are on a short week, and they're throwing guys out. They're trying to figure out a starting lineup right now. So can the Bears target individuals and also just maybe test those communication skills on the back end of this defense? I know the Raiders rely heavily on zone, uh, primarily cover three. So I would like to see the Bears you know, force these DBs into some sort of conflict uh, between their zones, whether it's running multiple guys through them, just challenge the communi- those communication skills to see if you can make one of them force a mistake. We've seen it too many times for us. I believe there's an opportunity for the Bears to do it against an opponent here this week in the Raiders. Um, but guys, we've done a pretty good job of looking at a ton of variables. Um, but if you had to put it like all together, what would your offensive game plan be this week? Uh, the Bill Laser Part 2 Special. And let's go to Mason first. What would my offensive game plan be? Mine would be to feed Cleo Herbert. And I know that you disagreed <laughs> with me on this a little bit, Will, in the post-game press conference. I really think Cleo Herbert's going to be more the first and second down back. I think he matches a little bit better with that between the tackle running that you'd want with David Montgomery. And then you can have a Damian Williams be your third down back. And I do think that also adding Jakeem Grant, while yes, he's really important to, for that punt return, he could also be used in that kick return thought process too, which would now all of a sudden let Khalil Herbert be used more on the offense. So you cannot get away from that identity. You cannot say, okay, oh my God, we, we lost David Montgomery. Let's all of a sudden just throw the ball 50 times. He can't do that. So keep feeding that way and creating the the mismatches, right? Creating creative blocking. I, I go keep going back. Uh, two weeks ago to a Green Bay play where they had their tight end motion in, crack back down on the, the defensive end, and that's how they were able to create a nice passing pocket for Aaron Rodgers. That's what I want to see. Creative blocking, and then you know chip off, slip out into the flat, create those, have, create those lanes so that, therefore, Justin can lead his receivers for yards after catch, and then all of a sudden the defense starts creeping up, and that's when you can hit those explosive plays downfield. You know, you're jabbing at me because uh, you're saying that, you know, maybe – uh, I was a little too harsh on you. I had in my notes for special teams that I thought, you know, Mason, maybe you're right that they would not, <laughs> they would move Herbert off of those kick return duties because they will use them more on offense. I thought he can do both in a two back system. I thought, no, why, what would one, you know, 30 yard return being, you know, opportunistic over here really do in a series of a drive, but then they make a trade and I'm like, all right, they're listening to Mason. They're not listening to me. Uh, so kudos on that because I also think that Herbert, he can be a big part of the offense, and I think I said that in the post game where I believe he could be, but I didn't think it would strip him of kick return duties per se, but we'll see how the Bears want to kind of shake that up, and we'll talk about special teams in a little while, uh, but Nick, I want to go over to you. Uh, what's a game plan look like for this Bears offense in your eyes? I think I, I just 
for Bill Lazor, what I want to see is him still continue to find ways to put Justin Fields' strengths into the plays that he's calling, whether that is with design quarterback runs or really stretching the field vertically, even though, like Mason said, this is a Raiders defense that doesn't allow a lot of those explosive plays. But you still got to test them out, especially with the inexperienced players that are going to be in the secondary for the Raiders. So that's one way. And even though the Bears don't have David Montgomery, there has to be some kind of commitment to the run. And utilizing Damian Williams and Khalil Herbert and whatever the combination may be, um, that's what you need to do, I think, in this game to build off of what you did so successfully against the Detroit Lions. So that's what I look at in terms of what the Bears should do. And also, there was something, it's not a part of really the game plan, but what I don't want to see is still those Justin Fields kind of fumbles that we've seen hey, in the last couple where and he has to recover them and kind of put his body on the line. So that you, you put all that together for Bill Lazor, and I think you have a game plan that you're not only you're building off of from the first from last week and continue to show different areas where you can exploit defenses in different ways. So I think if you do all that as as a play caller, you're gonna, you know, earn some I think just I don't know, camaraderie from your offensive players, but trust also as well. And then growth is hopefully the the next thing that'll come out of that. Right on. I, I like those a lot. Uh, I have a three-point plan here for my game plan. Uh, number one, start aggressive, just like last week. They don't have to win the toss and ask for the ball and score, although that was awesome. And if they want to keep doing that, you know, be my guest. But I know early points are going to go a long way in this game. We'll talk about why when we talk about the Raiders' offense in just a few minutes here. Uh, so staying aggressive and just getting on the board early is big. Uh, I know in the seven games where – Bill Lazor has called plays. The Bears do a good job at scoring early. Uh, they average eight points in the first quarter with Lazor as the play caller, uh, and that's in seven games. And then on top of that, we talked about the edge rush, pass rush. We need to make sure uh, that we do help the tackles. Uh, we talked about that, so uh, helping them with their matchups. I don't want to see any of those guys on the island too much in this game. I think that's going to be a recipe for disaster. Uh, we saw that way too much in Cleveland. Despite getting beaten consistently, they're like, eh, we'll, we'll keep trying these guys one-on-one. Uh, so we talked about some chips and some ways to help them. That must be an integral part of the offense. And then, Nick, you talked about establishing and sticking with the run, and I agree, and I just hope that the Bears find a way to stay balanced. With a defense that's struggling against a run like the Raiders, also with the back-end issues with those injuries, staying balanced is the best way to keep them and consistently on their toes and forcing them into mistakes. And you can take advantage of a defense if you do that. They don't have to skew heavily one way or the other. I think if you can try to get towards 50-50, it's going to really go a long way towards success for this Bears offense this week. Uh, do you either of you have any final thoughts on this Bears offense before we move over to defense? Nope. I think that just about covers it. Right on. As you know, I'm a little uh, short of breath today, so that was more of me like knowing I have an ad <laughs> read coming up and making sure that I had a, a little bit of oxygen that, oddly enough, I'm wasting right now. Right so, now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Son of a gun. So let's go ahead and call a quick timeout. And before we talk about this Bears uh, defense and what matchups that we're paying attention to, I need to share a message from our friends over at Manscaped. Autumn is in the air, the pumpkins are in the patch, and our friends at Manscaped are here to make sure you don't carve your pants pumpkins when you're grooming, if you know what I'm saying. 
Make sure you're keeping things fresh this fall with the Leaders in Male Grooming and their brand new fourth generation performance package. Boys, get ready for a cuffing season like no other. Ready to take the leap into fall with Manscaped? Join the 2 million men worldwide using Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20. It's time to bundle up with Manscaped Performance Package 4.0. Inside the package, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a travel bag to hold your goodies. And again, you can seal the deal with the Manscaped Liquid Formulations. That Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, everyone knows that pumpkin spice lattes and ball deodorant just go hand in hand, and tis is the season. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. Make your balls a priority this fall. Choose Manscaped and your balls will thank you. All right, you're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast. I'm Russell DeWitt, joined by my co-hosts Nicholas Moriano and Mason West. And guys, it's time to talk about this Bears defense. And when we take a look at this Raiders offense first, it's actually quite apparent that they are struggling with some slow starts. 29th in scoring in the first quarter and 25th in first half scoring, only averaging 7.8 points scored in the first half of football games. But they're sixth in the NFL in second half scoring with over 15 points scored on average after halftime. Now, on the season, uh, they're ninth in the league overall, scoring 26 points per game, and second in the NFL in passing yards per game at 326, only behind Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So looking at this Raiders offense as a whole, uh, Nick, I'll go to you first. Uh, What do you think that this Raiders offense does well that's going to be a challenge for this Bears defense in Week 5? Well, I think it starts with Derek Carr and how he's been playing and where he's been you know, targeting some of his receivers in the middle of the field. We've seen that in again in the game against Detroit in previous games where the Bears defense in the middle on all three levels can be an area where teams can exploit. And when you go back to, you know, the Detroit game, there were some of the bigger plays that Goff even missed in that game where he does it's maybe a run action fake and it puts Ogletree up. He's able to he missed the pass where Deion Bush couldn't get over. And, you know, I think that will kind of play it would be better in this game because Sean Gibson looks like he's going to be healthy but when you see how Derek Carr and just just his passing charts lately they, he's a guy that will throw the ball all over the field so that middle of the defense is where I'm looking where Derek Carr has shown that he can make passes but also that's been an area where the defense has kind of given up some plays so that's one area very specifically where I'm looking at this matchup and see how it's going to play out on Sunday. What about you, Mason? Any challenges that you first see that are kind of top of mind? Derek Carr just gets better as the game goes on. I don't know what that is, but you have to get out to a solid lead if you're the Bears here. Otherwise, you might be in a little bit of trouble. Like Nick talked about, that middle of the field is certainly a concern, and that's where a guy like Darren Waller loves to operate, right? who leads all tight ends with 24 catches. Uh, that's where a guy like Hunter Renfro, who is, you know, can one, do your taxes, but then at the same time is a baller out of the slot. Um, he is sixth right now in the NFL, and I believe he's third in the AFC in third down first downs, which is at six, which is pretty good, right? He's Mr. Third Down. So that's also been a problem at times for the Bears defenses, unless they've gotten a big sack or something of that nature. He's just getting off the field and forcing teams out of that third down scenario. Now, and who's going to be guarding him? Our slot's not the greatest right now. It's, it's better. It's 
better than it was the beginning of the year, but it's still not not great. It's not good. I'm not going out there super confident with it. So can you lim- can that be limited? And then now with Josh Jacobs being a full participant, is he gearing back up again? And is and all of a sudden, if they match what Derek Carr can do, that speed of Henry Ruggs, I mean, that is something that, is, that does terrify me, especially if there's miscommunication in the secondary taking down field, if they're starting to suck up because Josh Jacobs is starting to stack some runs together. You know, that's a recipe for disaster. Will is oh, muted Will. right now. Hold on. Thank you very much, by the way. <laughs> I appreciate that. You know, I'm, I'm hacking up a lung over here, so I want to make sure that you can't hear me as I'm doing that. I don't think people would appreciate it. Um, but, Mason, as I was saying, uh, that you didn't hear, that's like the four main like threats right now for this Bears defense. It's Renfro, Waller, Ruggs, and then maybe Jacobs. I know he's still working his way through injury, but, heck, he had over 120 yards and two touchdowns in this matchup. Uh, a couple of years ago. So um, I'm old enough to remember what he can do uh, when he's fully healthy. Uh, Ruggs is speed. He's a deep threat at all times. Uh, we've seen this Bears defense challenged uh, with speed and some of those deep shots, whether it be the communication, like you said, Mason, or even like Jalen Johnson, who's having a great year. But when he has been beaten, it's doing some of those deep shots. Uh, we've seen a few of those breakdowns uh, this season. Uh, Darren Waller, Mason, you mentioned it, super dangerous. He has 274 receiving yards this year, second in the NFL to position. Who will the Bears actually have cover him? Is that Roquan? Is he going to shadow? And how does that affect the box for this running game? And then with Henfro as well in the slot, uh, eighth best slot receiver uh, with those of 15 or more targets, according to PFF. Derek Carr has a pass rating of 126.8 when he's looking Renfro's way, when he's lined up in the slot. He's just an underneath threat. And I think that's what makes this Raiders offense when it's working so dangerous is he have all that speed so you really kind of keep that defensive backfield away from the box a bit because you want to respect it but then you have guys like Walder and Renfro that can just carve you up in the middle along the outside they line up all over the place it's just you know it's kind of like pick your poison and maybe that's when we get to the game planning part of the discussion you may have to pick your poison at who will you want to beat you instead of who you will you allow so we'll see how that kind of shakes out Looking at this Bears defense, though, it was a pretty good week for them last year. They did give up a good amount of yards and trips into the red zone, but they really didn't break. Uh, they came up big when it mattered most, uh, which seems to be a theme uh, this year. The Bears allow around three and a half red zone trips per game, uh, but they are the best defense in the red zone since week one, only allowing teams to score touchdowns on 30% of those trips. And even though it was a pretty good week, uh, I, and it feels like this defense is trending in the right direction Nick, do you have a concern on this side of the ball uh, heading into the week, uh, like with this Bears defense in general? I think the big thing is that, like I said, there have been some defensive breakdowns in the secondary. For whatever reason it may be, communication um, plays yet actually just move the linebackers out of position. But it's not so much. So I think this Raiders offense is still trying to find what worked best for them. They want to be able to run the football, right? That's what we talked about in yesterday's episode. That's what John Gruden wants to do. And right now, the Raiders are not very good in short yardage situations. One of the, one of the worst teams in the league in trying to convert on those short yardage situations. It's not so much a concern about the Bears' defense. It's that if the Raiders are able to convert on some of those short yardage situations and keep drives alive and go into what Mason said, how Derek Carr gets better as the game, the game goes on, that can be a concern because now they're on the road again, and obviously the Bears have not won a game on the road this season. Does that play a factor into things? Like it has, the Raiders haven't proven they can do that. Like they haven't proven that they could score in the first quarter. But if that starts to be something in this Bears game where they don't have 
hey, they might not have a Keem Hicks in this one. So if they can convert on those short yard situations, stack up plays, consistently move the ball down the field, then we may have a little bit of a problem here. But the, again, the Raiders have to prove that first in this game before it can be a problem. Now let's flip it. Uh, I mentioned some of the red zone prowess, but Mason, uh, what are some of those positives on defense that you want to see continue or, and either way, what are some of those weaknesses that the Raiders have? You know, I can cough and say the offensive line, you know, cough, cough, but what do you want to see this Bears defense take advantage of? And what are some of those strengths that we can kind of leverage? I mean, just to get it out of the way, yeah. I mean, that offensive line is is questionable at best. I mean, they're they're moving their right tackle into guard at times during practice this week. That shows very little confidence there. I mean, apparently they're just terrified of him going against Quinn or Mack or something of that nature. And when you watch, I mean, what happened with the Chargers game, yes, Joey Bosa is ridiculous, and, and the Chargers have overall very good defense. The line was not very good. They're overall ranked pretty low, you know, in terms of PFF and all that stuff. So that's there. The pass rush has to be there. Because that pass rush is what really set the tone with the Lions, right? You know, the strip sack that Quinn had, uh, just being able to get, you know, the sacks that they did have, that they did. They haven't been turning the ball over much in the secondary or at all. I mean, when was the last interception by someone in the secondary? It has to be those front seven that do it. And so far, Roquan Smith, Alec Ogletree, that whole defensive line, they are absolutely killing it right now. Now, you're missing an Akeem Hicks, so are you going to potentially? I mean, he has not practiced, and one would assume he's not going to play at this point in time. So, But you're pretty happy with a Bilal Nichols. He's able to usually step in and do and do very well. So the depth there, again, we keep, we've keep we talked about them in the preseason. We talk about it now. The depth is huge. And just being able to rotate the defensive lineman out there, being able to have a, a Travis Gibson off the edge, who ranked, I believe, the highest of all the edge rushers you know, in that game, the, the it has to be. It's it's easy, low hanging fruit, I guess. But that O line versus D line, that's it. That's what's gonna potentially win this game. Hey, Travis Gibson graded the best of all edge rushers last week in the entire yeah. NFL. I just wanna say that because go. it's an awesome. I mean, we've talked about him a lot in the preseason and training camp, but it took a while. But hey, Travis Gibson, yeah, he's coming alive at the right time, and if he can be an integral part of that rotation with. You know, Mac playing at a higher level, same thing with Quinn. It can get dangerous and a lot of fun uh, for us to watch here uh, on game days. And really, this Bears defense better not allow uh, that run offense to come to life. It's 31st for a reason over there. Uh, but a big reason is that, well, injury to Josh Jacobs and that offensive line as we're talking about. So I'm cautiously optimistic, but I'm also wanting to make sure that the Bears don't make that easy because if they allow the Raiders to run the ball easier than we've seen this season – it's going to make their whole offense even more dynamic and a little bit more unpredictable because right now they've been slightly one-dimensional and you don't want them to allow you know themselves to kind of determine what you're doing uh, as well as keeping you on your toes guessing a little bit. And I think when I'm looking at this matchup in general in this day, I would expect another big day of, I think as Nick would call it, a day of Alec Ogletree just being all over the place. I think that would be huge and it's kind of, if you're looking at the middle of the field, I think he's going to be heavily involved like he was last week uh, against Detroit. But, Nick, how about you? Any uh, positives on defense you want to see carry over or any strengths that you think the Bears can use to kind of slow down this Raiders offense? What I've liked from Sean Desai, I've mentioned this before about the creativity, but I like it when he brings those secondary players up to the line of scrimmage. It was one of the plays where Robert Quinn bends the edge on Penny Sewell to, for one of just a, a tackle on a, on a running back, but – if you notice, it's Eddie Jackson that's kind of lined up in front of this left tackle. And Penny Sewell 
hesitates. I think, honestly, Robert Quinn just leaves him in the dust, but he has to account for that secondary player for just a split second, and that allows Robert Quinn to use his his bend, his speed, to make this this great run stop. So I like, again, what Sean decides doing schematically with a bunch of different guys. The DeAndre Houston Carson and Cleo Mack sack where he sets up, sets up Cleo Mack to go against one-on-one with the running back. Like, that is creative. That's what you want to see. That's why he's the defensive coordinator of the Bears. So I love seeing that. And I'm just, you know, each and every week, I'm like looking for where some of these defensive players are going to be at at times. So I want to see that continue, obviously, in this game against the Raiders. All right, let's look at our defensive game plans here. I'll kick things off. Uh, I already mentioned one of my first keys, and that's making sure that the run offense uh, doesn't take off here for the Raiders. Uh, if you're looking at the offense line as well, uh, I want to go back to the Bosa quote and you know get after Derek Carr a little bit, uh, rattle him, uh, as Bosa would say. We'll see if we can force him into mistakes and have him shut down a little bit. If we can discourage you know, anything that he can do early, uh, that should help us a ton. Uh, on top of that, we talked about some of the deep threats. So I put, don't get burned deep. You know, don't let the rugs get pulled out from under you. Uh, that would be another key uh, this week. Thank you for laughing, Nick. I appreciate it. Uh, and on top of that, too, uh, keep everything in front. Uh, limit the yak. Uh, Renfro uh, and Waller, really good guys with the football in, in their hands. They're going to get their catches. They're going to get their looks. Just make them earn every single yard and don't allow anything easy uh, after the catch. And that leads me to my final one, which is, more than likely the continuation of Ben don't break as much as I don't like to watch it. it not to say it's like a, a system that works. It's just, you know, I'd rather have a defense that gives up yards, but stands tall in the red zone. than one just gets walked on all the way over. Uh, so bend, but don't break uh, the Raiders move the ball. Uh, they, you know, but if we can hold them to three, uh, it's a win. They are 20th in a red zone, and that's really due to being one-dimensional. Uh, you have tighter passing windows and they're pass-heavy. That's not a good combo for any offense in a red zone. So uh, going back to key number one, right? Don't allow that run to be easy. Uh, and if that happens, then the Bears' defense in the red zone, what they've been able to do, should carry forward. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. I'm, I'm expecting the Raiders to move. We just need to limit what they do once they reach inside the 20. Uh, Nick, I'll go over to you. What's your game plan on defense look like? I think when I look at this Raiders offense, there's a lot of guys that are even in double digits in terms of receptions because Derek Carr will distribute the ball. So mm-hmm. it's maybe not even a game plan, but being aware of that at any moment in time, you know, a guy like a Brian Edwards, a guy that, you know, for some reason, every time I turn on the primetime game, he's always making a big time catch. I had him on fantasy. He does, of course, nothing. But like these guys that at any moment can pop off. And that's just, again, kudos to Derek Carr. But I think the defensive game plan is that you don't just you can't just be cognizant of Henry Ruggs and his speed or or Hunter Renfro and his ability to get open in the middle of the field in the slot. You have to account for a lot of these guys i didn't even mention Darren waller so there's a lot of weapons on this raiders offense and at any moment in time Derek carr being you know having the season that he's having can look to those guys distribute the football extend these drives and just make it a lot more difficult so Derek carr is going to challenge all 11 all 11 of these bears defenders so they must be ready to take on that challenge all right mason what did nick and i miss i think i don't think you guys really missed anything honestly he covered it all so I'm going to go out of left field a little bit and say what I would do personally if I was John Desai. I would take Jalen Johnson, and I'm sticking him on Darren Waller. I don't care where Darren Waller is. I'm moving him around like a chess piece because how Darren Waller goes, so do the Raiders go, right? Like when his all of a sudden, when he's not getting targets, 
yes, Derek Carr can spread the ball around, but they're not ex- gigantic explosive plays that are going to break it. They're the ones that whittle you down little by little, and I think the rest of this defense is good enough that if you can take him out of the game, if, and then if you can spotlight Renfro as well, yes, Brian Edwards is good in the fourth quarter. That's where most of his catches, just like Nick said, I have him on a couple of fantasy teams too, and he does nothing until one or two catches in the fourth quarter. Useless. Sits on my bench. But I'm not terrified of him. And Ruggs, you know, the way that the Bears play their defense, you know, usually a lot of cover two over the top, things like that. As long as the communication is good, as long as Eddie Jackson isn't just waving his arms in the air right when the ball is snapped, like sometimes he's prone to do and not actually paying attention to the play, you can contain Ruggs because he is mainly a deep threat. He's not going to kill you in those intermediate routes, things like that. Take out Darren Waller. That That's the offense. That That's the tweet. Send it. Done. I, I like it. It's like the... Madden coaching adjustments, you know, or uh, cornerback matchups, and you sort it by overall, and then that's what you're doing here. You're getting your best guy versus the offense's best guy. I, I like the thought a lot. That would, I think, if the side did do that, that would be a huge difference compared to anything we've ever seen in a long time here in Chicago. Heck, I can't remember the last time I ever seen a corner in Chicago do that. Uh, when he had Tillman and Jennings a long time ago, they stayed in their sides. And then if you keep going to like the Fangio era, we did the same thing with Kyle and Prince, so on and so forth. So that really hasn't changed. I, I know they're not as strict on like what side of the field, but I've never seen a certain player get shadowed. Some defenses do it and it works out well. That'd be a, a huge change in Sean Desai kind of coming into his own a bit and making his own case and also listen to Mason, which the Bears apparently tend to do. All right, let's jump in to our special teams talk here. And uh, is the biggest topic Jakeem Grant? Uh, I do see in the Bears depth chart today that he is listed as the number one punt returner, and he's also listed as the number one kick returner. Uh, so this is where I head into my notes. Way to go, Mason. You got me. I, I don't understand why the Bears just don't hire me on their staff. I mean, I'm one step ahead of them at every turn. <laughs> I mean, I can't disagree with you. Uh, you're building a good resume and you're in the box you're building connections like it's just a matter of time but (laughs) uh nick or mason is there anything else on special teams though that we need to mention other than we have a guy uh, that we traded for who has what 89 career kick returns 101 career punt returns so a ton of experience uh mason and mason nick uh you seemed intrigued no it it would be nice to have some kind of spark at that position because there hasn't been any really at the punt return you know Tariq Cohen has provided bits and pieces there but obviously due to injuries you know not even not able to do that right now and I'm pretty sure I saw somewhere on Twitter that Jakeem Grant mentioned Devin Hester so you already have a place in in you know my heart because you're already connecting the dots there so I'm wishing Jakeem Grant all the best and to really just capitalize on this opportunity you know he talked about like he didn't expect to be traded but you know especially with the season that he had last year but now that he has, it's like, yeah, now you have a new opportunity, uh, obviously being on a new team, and they've been looking for someone that can produce as a punt returner. It's all yours. The, 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 the position is his to capitalize it. Let's see what he can do. Yeah, it's been a revolving door uh, since Cohen went down with injury, and I'm ready for someone to stick. Someone, as you said, Nick, uh, provide that spark. Mason, anything else here in the third phase? The most important thing is – is he allergic to the ball? Because for whatever reason, all the punt returners that the Bears have had just seem to want nothing to do with it. First of all, just catch it. That, that's how the bar is right yeah. now. Catch it. What you hit after that, especially in the punt return, that is just gravy. And he's he's done pretty well with it, right? I mean, he's averaging 
a pretty good number, you know, 24.8 for his kick returns, which he hasn't done a ton of in the last, well, last year. Um, in terms of his punt returns, more or less same thing. I mean, 9.7, but that's more than the zero and more than the bouncing to the <laughs> five-yard line that we saw last week. So let's, let's I'll take that. All right. Well, I'm going to call that a wrap on special teams talk. Uh, we'll talk about our X factors in literally like 25 seconds. But before we do, uh, I just want to let people know that we have partnered with Breaking Tea and all their amazing merchandise. And uh, they do have a Justin Fields collection. And if you're wondering, when's a good time to get one? I think right now would be considering the week that there is. I know I really want and I'm going to get that QB1 t-shirt. Uh, that is one that you should definitely look to pick up. It's fitting. It's just named QB1 here this week. So if you want to support our show by picking up an awesome T-shirt from BreakingT.com, just go to BreakingT.com slash Chicago Audible. That's our magic link that if you do purchase a shirt, a little kickback comes to us to support our show. So we would appreciate it uh, if you can go ahead and do that here for us. So, again, if you're picking one up anyway, uh, definitely help us out and support Hey Justin, too, uh, as we kind of – uh, get more gear for him in his first week as QB1. But guys, it's time to jump into our X factors. And I want to know, Nick, what's your X factor for this Bears offense? I think it's the Bears scoring fast. And I think when we look at when they've actually done that, they've all been at home. It's been at home at Soldier Field where they've had opening drive touchdowns. And we know on the other side of things, the Raiders are, you know, one of the worst teams in the league in terms of putting up their own points. But if you score fast offensively, I think what it could possibly do, and I know the Raiders are used to being down, so maybe it doesn't affect them too much, but that's going to get that defense involved too where it's going to be more pass-happy for the Raiders. But I think if the Bears start offensively by having that drive on the road, that can instill confidence in what Bill Lazor is doing and what Justin Fields is doing and what this offense can ultimately do without their bell cow too, without David Montgomery. So X-Factor can the Bears start off hot in Las Vegas with an opening drive touchdown like they've been able to do the two times at Soldier Field? All right. I like that one a lot. I'm going to kind of hit on something I mentioned once, but it's worth it again. It's definitely an X factor, and that's the third downs. Nick, your X factor doesn't come to fruition if they can't convert. Uh, on the money down here, the Raiders do force the fifth most third downs per game, and they're the eighth best defense on them. So the Bears are going to more than likely, if things work out the way I'm envisioning, they're going to be in third down quite often in this game, and they just need to show growth here. I need the T-shirt. Third down must not be a descent. Why haven't I designed that T-shirt yet? I don't know. Uh, honestly, I know. Uh, we got to do it. That would be a real fun one to do. But if the Bears end up going through, out consistently and you put that potent Raiders offense back on the field with a worn out defense that's a recipe for disaster we saw how that story goes that's week three in Cleveland so let's not have that happen uh, yet again so third downs and offense is going to be my x factor uh, it can make or break uh, the success on that side of the ball heck the entire game uh, Mason how about you any offensive x factors this week so for that shirt, I'm picturing maybe like a skeleton bear or like a tombstone with the bears like, like thing. Anyway, we can talk about that later. Yeah. Um, offensive X factor: What windows can be created for Justin to throw into against the Browns? He, his aggressive throw percentage, which is throws into tight windows, was 45, percent which was the most in the NFL. You don't want that against the Lions. It was 5.9, percent the least in the NFL. They lost against the Browns terribly. They beat the Lions. One could make the correlation that, you know, 
throwing into open windows is a good thing. So what does the scheme look like? Can they get, you know, the receivers catching the ball on the run? And can they let Justin do what he does best? All right. But Mason, right back to you. Defensive X factor. For me, it's going to be Bilal Nichols and Mario Edwards versus the interior. Again, probably not getting Akeem Hicks in this one. We know what the edges are going to do. And if you look at the interior of this Raiders offensive line, it is not very good. Uh, But so can they attack? Can they get pressure up the middle right in Carr's face? Then you eliminate Ruggs' speed. You eliminate who cares where Darren Waller is if you're getting sacked in two seconds. right? we got to create pressure with those two players. All right. Nick, how about you? X-Factor on defense. I think it's going to be limiting what the Raiders will do offensively in the second half because that's where a majority of their points come in is that second half after that slow start. So the Bears got to be ready for the weather, the storm, really, whatever's going to happen after that first half concludes. Right now, they score about 15.2 points per game in, in that second half. So they they know like when they have that slow start, which they've done through basically this entire season so far, they need to pick things up, make those halftime adjustments. So really the X factor, if the Bears can limit what the Raiders can do in that second half, I think that puts them in a good position to win this football game. All right. On my side of the ball here for defense, I'm going with third down stuff again. I don't know why I <laughs> micro-focused on it this week, but it's just kind of what my brain was gravitating towards when I was preparing for this show because I noticed that Renfro and Waller on third down, they're both in the top 13 for what, Mason, you mentioned, is those uh, third down catches that move the chains. Uh, the Bears defense is only 26th on third down this year, and the Raiders ranked 10th. Uh, on offense. And if you look at some other teams that have two players in the top 13 uh, in terms of moving the sticks on third down, catching the ball, uh, the Browns were one of them, and the Rams uh, were another. And we saw what kind of fits that they gave this Bears defense. So uh, coverage on Renfro and Waller on third down is going to be key. Uh, that's where Derek Carr has been focusing on. Uh, those are his two most consistent pass catchers right now. And so when the Bears do get in third down, we need to find a way to get a stop. Uh, just like last week with the offense, but if you want to flip it, this Bears defense, so many times, especially early in this game, got the Lions into third in the long, and either it be a penalty that mo- uh, that kind of allowed them to stay in the field or a breakdown in coverage or just a bad play. Uh, too many drives were unneedlessly along for this Lions offense when they should have been off the field. Uh, so I don't want to see that carry over this week. And if it does, I think that could be uh, an issue for this entire game. So that's going to be my X factor on defense, which brings us to our week five backbreaker matchups. And Nick, you're up first. You have offense this week. What's the matchup on that side of the ball that can make or break the game? I had both of them just in case, but I really do think it's going to be Gus Bradley, the, the Raiders defensive coordinator, and how his scheme really and what he's going to devise against Bill Lazor's offense is specifically, and we talked about this earlier, the ability to put those edge, def- edge defenders, the guys in the interior, in the matchups that they can potentially create to get pressure without blitzing. If you don't have to bring any extra defenders, you can kind of put them back there in zone coverage, and you're going you're gonna to make Justin Fields read potentially the entire field, which I talked about earlier. He didn't really do that much in terms of throwing all over the field. It was really the right side he primarily targeted. So if Gus Bradley's defense can get that pressure, can make Justin Fields maybe think a little bit faster, process a little bit faster than he would like, and make those decisions – that ultimately go in the Raiders' favor, 
then we may have a an interesting game offensively for the Bears, and we'll see where they're at on the road too. So that's my backbreaker matchup for this one, Gus Bradley's defense and the ability to apply pressure without bringing extra defenders. All right. Mason, what about on defense? I term this slot versus the world. At the end of the day, <laughs> if, if I'm the offensive coordinator of the Raiders – you know, I, you see all the time, you know, when you have that Kelsey-esque, that Waller in this scenario tight end, you put him out wide, you know, hey, let's get that matchup against the corner. Why would you do that in this scenario? Why would you have him go against Jalen Johnson? Why not just put him in the slot against, honestly, not a great matchup with Duke Shelley? Uh, maybe if you end up sliding out a row corner, maybe you end up sliding out, you know, uh, an old tree or something of that nature. Just eaten there with a Waller, with a Renfro. And so whoever ends up having to guard those slot positions, it's going to be imperative. And it seems repetitive because we've talked about this in previous weeks, but until they fix it, that's one of the most glaring holes in this defense. Okay. Really good stuff by both of you there. Let's look at a little bit more of a macro sense now. Take a step back and let's determine who has the edge. And Mason, you're up first. You have the Bears rushing offense. No David Montgomery, but... You have Khalil Herbert coming into town uh, versus the Raiders' run defense, which, again, hasn't been too good so far this season. I'm going to give it to the Bears' rushing offense. I just feel like with Bill Lazor calling plays, the commitment to the run, it's going to be more of a chip, 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 and then you're going to start to break off some longer runs. Khalil Herbert's getting slept on. He would be starting for another team. I truly think that it's just, he happens to be behind David Montgomery. And that's why I said what I did in terms of him being more the first second down back. Now also you can't compare that to Austin Eckler, but Austin Eckler ate against the Raiders on Monday night football. I mean, he killed it, whether it was out of the backfield catching or running, you know, we all know he's mighty mouse. He's not one of the biggest backs in the world. So it wasn't like he was bruising them. The Raiders rush defense is nothing spectacular. So that is why I'm going with the bears rushing offense. Right on. We have plus one for the Bears. Nick, how about you? That Bears passing attack versus that Raiders pass defense decimated by injuries in the back end, but a fierce pass rush, as we've just talked about. Yeah, we definitely talked about that. And look, the Bears didn't really pass a lot against the Lions. 17 passing, 17 total passing attempts. And I do think we see growth in that area um, in terms of just getting maybe more people involved as well. But because the Raiders are dealing with injuries, because I expect to see Bill Lazor even play more to Justin Fields' strengths, I'm going to give it to the Bears on this one. Nice. I like it. We're we're going up against a 3-1 and one team, and we're already finding ways to build some confidence here. Nick, you're back up, though. That Bears run defense, which has been middle of the road when you look at this NFL season so far, versus that Raiders rushing attack who's been without Josh Jacobs, an injured Josh Jacobs, a healthier Josh Jacobs now, but a team that's still kind of finding their footing also behind a pretty bad offensive line. So which way would you lean with that bears run defense versus that Raiders rushing attack with everything we talked about? It just seems like, no, the Raiders are not going to establish the run. Their running backs, not even healthy. Their offensive line is garbage, but they're at home. They, they had a bad loss to the chargers. And I think it's they they Josh Jacobs has to get going at some point. And I just remember that London game, the bears, Different, different, different players, right? It's a you know a couple years ago now, but I feel like in the end, I think the Raiders do find a way to establish that run, just somehow, some way. And I know it kind of contradicts everything maybe I've said in this podcast, but I feel like on Sunday at three o'clock, 
the Raiders are going to come out running this football, and they're going to be effective doing so. So I'm going to give it to the Raiders on this one. Okay, you're going with your gut. I understand. I you can do that. You have a little conviction. You just have a feeling what that game flow is going to look like, and that's what you're here to kind of explain. So it's okay if it goes against what I would have chosen. <laughs> just going with the gut. No, that's all right. Let's go over to Mason to wrap things up here for who has the edge. You have Bears passing offense versus that Raiders secondary. Oh, sorry. Hey, Raiders. I, I flipped it, didn't I? There we go. Uh, yeah. 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 My notes, man. My notes. I mean, I'm going to change that right now because I did this last week too. Bears secondary versus that Raiders passing attack. Raiders secondary versus the Bears. Hmm, no. See. Raiders passing attack, Bears secondary. All right, you, you got me all flipped up. Okay. I know. It's okay. So it's my what, fault. <laughs> what I'm going to go with in this one, I'm going to go with the Raiders here just because – they have the weapons they have are just way more solid than what the bears can throw at them. Yes. Jalen Johnson, top five cornerback Kendall's been serviceable, but then this, when you get to the safeties, when you get to the slot, you just, you can't trust it right now. And, you know, again, Waller's just going to do what he's going to do. You're going to have, I think Brian Edwards is due for a big game. I know we just kind of downplayed him a little bit, but he's he's a big receiver, you know, just a strong guy. He's quick. He's fast. So I can imagine him getting, you know, a couple deep throws on, on a Kindle Vildor because I, I assume that's who they'd end up matching up against. Um, until the secondary can prove that they aren't just going to open up the middle like the Red Sea, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to assume that they're just going to keep doing that. All right, there we go. That's uh, who has the edge this week. Uh, let's get into the final portion of our show, and let's do some predictions, and let's kick things off by playing some over-under. Uh, these lines do come from our sportsbook sponsor over at BetUS. Again, you can get a 125% sign-up bonus. You can't really find that really anywhere else uh, with our code at BetUS.com, and that code is uh, Chicago125. And, gentlemen, the first over-under this week, let's look at total points scored, and the line is 44 points. Uh, so you're going to take the over or under uh, for the combined points scored this week, and let's go to Nick first. I'm going over because of where my game picks at. So I'm going to go over for this game. Mason? You said 44, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a push. Okay. We got a push and an over. I'm not going to lie. That's uh, a little surprising to me, but I'll take the under, and then we have all three answers, and everybody wins or everybody loses. It's all about perspective. <laughs> All right, over under 215 passing yards for Justin Field. Uh, he had 209 last week, which was a career high. And on average, the Raiders allow about 225 uh, yards per game through the air. Let's go to Mason first. Over or under the 215 for Justin? Over. Uh, I think Justin's going to keep building on what he did last week. And when you have as many injuries as the Raiders do in their secondary, that, that's hard to overcome. All right. Uh, I like that one. How about you, Nick? Are you on the same train of thought or are you going to kind of pump the brakes a bit? No, I'm on the same train of thought. I think it's over, but just by a little bit. And again, we all have to, we have to see how this rushing attack for the Bears looks like on Sunday, too, because maybe they just have to pass the ball a little bit more without David Montgomery. So I'll go over, but it's just by a little bit. All right. Uh, next over under 49.5 receiving yards for Justin Fields' bromance, Darnell Mooney. Nick? Man, I feel like he can get that in just one play. He can. He 
you can get that on one play. I'll go over the 49.5. I, I guess it's just an offensive explosion we're going to see here on Sunday because I've been over on everything. But I'll go over 49.5 receiving yards for Darnell Mooney against the Raiders. All right, Mason. Uh, over. Again, secondary is a little rough. And if they're going to have as many yards as we just predict he's going to have, he just he keeps looking Mooney's way. I, I don't know if, you know, Allen Robinson, like, you know, didn't buy him dinner one day or something like he was supposed to, but he just isn't as involved in the offense as, as you would think he, a wide receiver one should be. It's not like defenses are, you know, eliminating him necessarily. It's just they have, they have this connection, you know, moon ball from Justin to Mooney. Exactly. Uh, love it, guys. Uh, final over under 1.5 passing touchdown surrendered to Derek Carr. Mason? Um, over. I, I just don't think that Raiders rushing attacks all that great. And I feel if they're going to score, I think it's going to be outside of the red zone, like a deeper pass getting in versus them pounding the ball in. All right, Nick. I'm going to go over as well. Derek Carr has been having a great season so far outside of the Joey Bosa quote where it kind of, I don't know, put him in maybe a bad light. He has been having a very good season. So I'll go over the 1.5. Okay. Let's move over to our bold predictions nick i know you've been working so hard on these all day long uh just <laughs> going through all the different formulas and what would a good bold prediction look like so i'll go to you last uh, i'll start things off over to me uh last week and i'm sorry nick because i heard you talking about this with mason as i get my water and I'm, that's why i'm going first because i'm not changing mine so last week justin fields helped darnell mooney set a new career high with 125 receiving yards this week, he's going to do the same, but with another second-year player in Cole Komet, uh, who's going to get a new career best with 50 receiving yards. And it's sad that that's a bold prediction, but it's, again, considering he's averaged, uh, Cole Komet has averaged, what, 5.3 yards per game over the last three weeks? I'm going to consider this a bold prediction. Uh, I already mentioned how poor the Raiders' defense have been covering tight ends, too, and we just need the production. We need this position to get involved in this offense. So 50 receiving yards for Cole Komet is unfortunately a bold prediction this week. And let's go to Mason next. What's your bold prediction? I'm going to change mine on the fly just because I'm feeling it. Justin Fields, and again, I have two. I always have two. I have an offense and defense. An offense, Justin Fields is going to throw for three touchdowns this game and set the Raiders on fire. On defense... Darren Waller will be held to three catches for 40 or less yards. Those are excellent predictions. Uh, either of those come true, you're probably looking at a Bears victory. Uh, so I like the way you think, Mason. And the Bears defense has been good at limiting tight ends all year. Uh, Waller is perhaps the best tight ends. Okay, he is the best tight end they face so far this season. Uh, so that's going to be a big test to see how they kind of stack up there. Uh, but I like it. If they can hold them, uh, man, that's like the keys to the kingdom uh, right now for giving this Bears team uh, a great chance of victory nick what's going to be your bold prediction so i really wanted to do something defensively because i I don't think i've given a bold prediction for the defense all year but that's not going to be this week because what i have right now is i feel like i feel like alan robinson's almost become forgotten in a in a sense just through four games this season right and with darnell mooney seeing a majority of the targets the big plays it's like number 12 is you know a forgotten man but in my bold prediction, he leads the Bears in receiving yards, targets, and gets two touchdowns. So he's going to have, he's going to show why, hey, I'm Allen Robinson. I'm still the number one guy and still a great asset to this Bears team. So Allen Robinson just has his game. 
All right, perfect. Love that one a lot too. Let's get a not so bold prediction. Let's get a little bit more uh, realistic. Uh, so we're looking at what? My realistic prediction, 10 yards for Komet. Kidding. Uh, my realistic prediction, uh, Khalil Herbert outrushes Damon Williams, uh, 80 yards on the ground this week and a, a touchdown. Uh, so that's what I'm looking here for Herbert uh, with my not so bold prediction. Uh, Nick, how about you? What's your realistic prediction? Uh, you two are very high on the Khalil Herbert train. I'll say that. Um, but I will say realistic, the tight ends total two targets in this game because that's about what they've been averaging, maybe less than that, honestly. So realistic, the tight ends are still, they'll be a factor maybe in the rushing game, which is great. You want to see commit, you know, a second round draft pick be a great blocker, but realistically in the passing game, there's still left. You're still wanting more. So not so bold prediction. I'll give them total three targets, one catch though. All right. I hope they surpass that. Uh, I think we all do. No, I, I hope so, too. <laughs> <laughs> Mason, how about you, man? All right. For offense, I'm going to bump mine up a little bit, Will, because you kind of slipped in there. But Bears as a team <laughs> will rush for 120 yards. What did you have? But I had 100 originally. but That's realistic. That would have been fine. If Herbert's getting 80, though, I mean, Damian Williams and that, and that's me. me 20. I'm like, you're like two up on me right now, so you shouldn't even listen when i'm talking except when i say mason so you just start you know giving your insight that's what i also right, at 110 they'll have 110 rushing yards as a team not so bold on defense the bears will get an interception just just one they'll get they'll get a pick because at this point you know we've got roquan with one in, in the Bengals game obviously you know we had three total i believe right in that Bengals game but in the other three it's been eh, the, the secondary hasn't been a huge factor so it's just yeah, well, hopefully they do something. Yeah, uh, that's what, kind of what Nick was saying about the tight ends too, right? Like, hopefully we we get something uh, out of them. Uh, we'll, we'll see, guys. But I'm excited because now we get to make some game picks here. So uh, we need to pull up the the fancy leaderboard and Nick, look who's on top, man. Well, I, I mean, I guess it's the streak. Yeah. It's the streak. Okay. Yeah, I have the I have okay, the okay. I have the okay, win yes, one, so uh, I get to be. This, on the top, and I don't know. I just thought that that fresh suit and face look look good up there, and it's not gonna it's not gonna dip for the rest of the season. So enjoy it. Uh, no, I will. I, there's also 69 live viewers watching right now. Just wanted to point that out. Nice. I appreciate you. Nice. You're always looking nice. out for it. Oh yeah, it just just kind of appears. Um, but yes, you're on top. I am, and uh, Mason still, you know. Rolling in the basement, uh, he'll work his way up here soon. It's a tough. Hole, I need but... my asterisk. I need like <laughs> like I need my asterisk. I'm gonna say that every week. What's it for again? Because <laughs> my fake Bears beating the Rams prediction. No one believes I actually thought that. Yeah, I did, and I do. <laughs> I can. I'll pull the tape, and we'll just keep it uh, playing on a loop. Like this is a serious pick, guys. I'm making it seriously. This is not a joke. It's exactly how you frame that pick. I'm pretty sure when we did the confidence afterwards, I said. And now let's flip it. I'm not confident about this whatsoever. <laughs> my, my confidence is like a three or something. Yeah, unfortunately, though, uh, two and two. Uh, how did we start last yeah. week? Did we do top down? Oh, uh, no, we started bottom up last week. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Let's do that because I, I'm going to need a mute here in a moment. So let's do bottom up. So, Mason, <laughs> what's your game pick? All right. I'm just going to say Bears pull off the upset, which, by the way, yes, the Raiders are three and one. But look at the teams they beat. I mean, they beat the Steelers, who are spiraling. They beat the Dolphins. They uh, and also the they have the, the Ravens game where they 
I mean, the Ravens almost lost the Lions. I don't know what's going on there. So they're a fake three and one. But I'm going to say Bears have the quote unquote upset 24 20. Perfect. Nick, how about you? I also have the Bears winning, and it's a very similar score, but I, I'm going 25-20. There's going to be some safety in this game that the Bears will get in. I just think that with like a lot of the similarities that Mason mentioned with the Raiders, they're a 3-1 football team, but we, we're going to see real, real early on, I think, in this game, what kind of football team they are. Are they actually a legitimate contender in the AFC? I don't, I don't believe that. I really don't. So, and I, I think this is a really good test for a Bears team. They're like, I don't feel like I did week one where they were losing against that Rams team. Nope. It doesn't matter who's starting. They were losing this one. This, this road game feels different. And I feel like the Bears can overcome what the strengths are for this Raiders and ultimately get a 25 to 20 victory here. All right. So, Nick, you went with this, right? I, I did not. But if that gives me the victory, I'll take it. <laughs> I figured you would. <laughs> Uh, I figured you would. I'm also going Bears. My final score is 21-20. I think it's just a real good week uh, to play this team. Uh, Mason, like you, I'm I'm not going to go out and say they're a fake, you know, three and one team. Uh, they do remind me a lot of the Bears last season. I talked to our guest about that a little bit yesterday about that strong start, but really, what does it mean? Because he had to come from behind so many times, and uh, eventually, you just can't sustain that level. Uh, but it's also a good week to play them. As I said, uh, it's a short week. Uh, injured secondary Uh, I still think we should be able to run the ball in this defense without David Montgomery that may not be said with some other defenses coming up here so far uh, on our schedule Uh, and looking at the Raiders we're a one-dimensional offense our pass rush is leading the way most sacks in the NFL only defense with two guys with four or more sacks so far this season best red zone defense since week three I think all of those line up and give the Bears a path to victory here this week. And as I said earlier in the show, and I'll reiterate it one more time, the key is getting up early and just weathering the storm after the fact. So I think the Bears will do that here. It's going to be a tough road environment, and they're going to squeak on by with Justin Fields, Bill Lazor, having an extra week to kind of build some of their chemistry. What do you like? What do you don't like? How can I help you? I do think we're going to see more of it. And with all of that, I also have the Bears winning, which also protects my lead, which is perfect because I was a little nervous. I, I think this game's going to be really interesting, too, because I know we keep saying home environment, but how home is it going to be? You know, I, I saw a couple of sources saying how many Chicago uh, or Illinois area codes were buying tickets to this game just even this last week or two. So I, I don't know point. that it's going to be that Raider or it's going to be more Bears fans than we think. It's going to be interesting because i agree i mean bears fans travel well they always do they always have it's just what we do but also what the raiders did on monday night mm-hmm. does it's it's it may be 50 50 and that may be a really cool neutral college game atmosphere where you do have both kind of going depending on the momentum of the game and it will be real i'm intrigued to you know and we nick i know you're gonna be at the stadium so you'll be able to kind of scout out what the split is but at least here at home you know crank up the surround sound it it was put some of that crowd action to play we don't get that crowd sound up in the press box you know that's blocked out with a glass wall in front of us so to kind of get that environment i'm excited for and we'll see mason just how well we show up and i'm sure it's well but the raiders really impressed me too with their showing out on monday night over in la too so we'll see how it all kind of plays out with that uh advantage or not at home uh nick what's your confidence meter 
I really want to say 6.9, but I'm at a 6.4 <laughs> in terms of my confidence meter. Like I said, I think this, like, you know, what we all have for our scores, too, is should be a close game. Like, the Raiders are no pushover like the Lions, but I don't think they're as good as their record really indicates right now. So I'm at a 6.4, It's and as long as this Bears offense doesn't look anything like we saw in the last road game against the Cleveland Browns, the Bears are going to be in this game. We've seen what their defense is capable of doing. We see what the offense can do and what it can maybe even do, obviously, more than that. So I'm at a 6.4 with this one. All right. I'm at a 5.75146. Uh, just to be general with it. Mm-hmm. Very just, general. Yeah, I, general. I, I, I did 5.7, and then I kind of did like the little thing when you go on a keyboard and you just hit a few buttons and see where it goes. Yeah, kind of like that. The, so that's why I did. The cat on the laptop precisely nick uh but for all the reasons we talked about and i think what's holding me down a little bit was that road showing i i know it's a different play caller uh and that's a big reason why we're making this offensive shift i think what i'm trying to do here is keep my bar a little lower so they can exceed it uh, because this has happened so many times in my life let alone just doing this podcast with you guys i put that confidence meter up and boy do i feel really just you know, peeved uh, when we get to a post-game show because they, they let me down. So I'm going to try to keep modest expectations. It's going to be a real close game. They're, if the Bears do win, it's not going to be blowing this team out of the water by any means. They're going to have to fight, you know, tooth and nail for it. Uh, so I'm just kind of over five, not quite at a six. So about, you know, like I said, five, seven, five, one, four, six. Mason, how about you? Where's your confidence meter? 6.8. Uh, I think from last week, the biggest change and i know nick i know i know that i this is what i had written down i wanted to change it for you but i had to stick with what i had in my notes because this is a scientific thought process or something i don't know but the biggest change that from last week to this week is the lack of david montgomery and i as we've seen through the annals of nfl history the not that running backs interchangeable but you can make up for a lack of a running back easier than you can for a lack of your top receiver, your top quarterback, your top tackle, things like that, right? Especially if you go running back by committee. So the fact that that's probably the biggest change, I look at that as a positive. The fact that, you know, Justin is set in its place, that's a positive. The fact that Bill Lazor is going to be calling plays and he better be calling plays is a positive. And then you have the defense, which is always consistently going to keep you in games. With all of those things, I I like it. I I just like the setup. We didn't talk about this a lot in this podcast, but – the Khalil Mack Raiders thing, you know, is it really a revenge game at this point? Because it's the second meeting. I don't know. But I think he wants to make up for the last meeting they had because he really wasn't a factor in that game. So that motivation, whether it's for him or even the team to get it for him, right? Like, hey, we will get this for you, Khalil, because, you know, we didn't get it for you a couple years ago. So, and it, and as silly as it sounds, because I'm not as confident about the rest of these games that are coming up. Like, if they don't get this game, it's going to be a lot of, funky stuff on the schedule with the Packers and the Bucks and all that. So they better get this one. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that too, because if a win here instills so much confidence internally, us as fans will probably overreact and get a little bit overly optimistic. And that's just what we do. But internally, like with some of those tougher opponents coming up, as you just said, Mason, a win here goes so far in terms of making you believe like we can knock off one of the, one of these teams that we have coming up and then a loss here probably changes that narrative a little bit that, you know, the drummer doesn't march so well and you're probably looking like, Oh, here we go again. It's gonna be a tough sledding and we'll see if we can ever crawl this hole. So I do think this win could be pivotal with how the early, not early now, but the mid early to mid portion of the season 
can end up shaking out. Uh, so I like that you brought that up, as well as the revenge, you know, makeup game uh, for Khalil Mack. I know it's one not a huge talking point that we wanted to tout here on today's episode because we wanted to look at you know all the bigger things here going on. But you know that Khalil does more want to bring something a little extra uh, when he's going up against you know the team that traded him and the team that you know let him go and how he wants to make sure that they know they made a mistake uh, and knowing Khalil. And look, looking at what he did last time, which wasn't a lot, just a couple total tackles and no big impact plays, who's been coming up with some of those big plays lately. I'm excited to see. And with that offensive line for the Raiders being as poor as they've been, the shuffling that's going on right now. I mean, is there a reason why they moved Leatherwood away from right tackle? Like, what are they afraid of? Thoughts that I've had uh, throughout this show. Uh, but, Nick, how about you? We're, oh, wait, we already did you. Do you have any final thoughts then? I do have some final thoughts. I think what people need to make sure they're aware of as they're watching this game, however it goes, is that the growth of Justin Fields is primary, is number one, regardless of what happens for the rest of the season, really. Just see how he continues to develop as a quarterback, and that's what we need to be just, again, cognizant of for the rest of the season, not just this Raiders game, but how he handles being on the road again in what could be maybe a 50-50 environment. We'll have to see on Sunday, but be aware of that. And then also, again, how does this offense continue to develop under Bill Lazor? And if those things, you know, go in the right direction on Sunday, hey, who knows with those tougher opponents that are coming up, maybe there'll be more games than maybe we were anticipating, especially early on before, you know, we were obviously predicting games and not when we get to that stretch of the schedule. I'm pretty sure I had like three L's, three losses in a row at some point it was in that stretch so they look good on Sunday like you said will propel some confidence moving forward but keep Justin Fields growth as a quarterback in mind because that's really the most important thing very well said Nick uh, my final thought uh, I don't have a lot of wind left in my sails right now uh, so I'll keep it brief uh, I guess I made a mistake because I didn't set my lineup for fantasy on any of the teams and just realized that it's about 21 minutes into the Thursday night Thursday night football, it, it gets me sometimes. I don't think I have many players playing tonight, but hopefully they're the right ones. Uh, we'll find out. <laughs> uh, Mason, how about you, man? You just said it really well during your confidence meter. Anything you want to wrap it up with? Uh, mainly, Nick, I'm going to need you to pick out a section of the stadium while you're there and count how many Raiders and Bears fans are in that exact number, break out the binoculars, your abacus, whatever you need, and so and report that back to us because you know that's obviously going to be a huge part of this game and the flow. Uh, you know, I'm really big into using my fingers when counting, so I will I will get that down and, you know, make sure I have the exact number of fans that are wearing Bears and Raiders jerseys or whatever they're wearing. But I got you, Mason. Perfect. You may have to crack out some toes uh, for that because there's going to be a lot of people uh, there to count. Nick, what's the Magic 8-Ball say? What question do you have for it? And the Magic 8-Ball can have the, the final thought here for all of us today. I see you just toying with it, so um, you have me... Uh, intrigued what are you going to ask it this is this is very just just only will if i go gambling will i win any money in vegas let's see oh you may rely on it oh we're going gambling boys let's go (laughs) let's do this do you have a game Uh, in mind absolutely not i've never really actually get i played blackjack once and i was out within the first five minutes so okay maybe i'll try that again yeah, you know, it's the uh, it's like kind of you heard the Peyton Manning story about the the red 18 roulette. Like, I think they talked about that on one of the Monday nights a couple weeks ago. Oh, it's yeah. literally in the town, like 30 minutes south of me. 
And it's the casino that I was at, uh, well, it's not at, I was working next to uh, for my day job a few weeks ago. And I told everyone it was payday. I was like, I'm going to take all my money and my payday, put it all in black and tell my wife, either I'm, we're going to get paid double this week or we're going to get paid nothing. <laughs> yeah, I did not get the go ahead for that. I make the same joke when we go on vacation on cruises and there's a, you know, a casino on the boat. Either we'll have double the fun or none of the fun. I haven't been able to win those <laughs> yet. Uh, but eventually, well, I'll just have to break the news one way or the other because uh, I, I do want to do that. So take some money, go on roulette, you know, choose a color, put some down, and either you double or nothing. And that's easy stuff. And uh, that's what I would I can do. do that. I can yeah. do that. Pick, a, pick your favorite number as well if you want to get real, you know, small into the odds as well. But I'm sure, you know, I'll send you, how about this? I'll send you money and you put it on a color for me. I'll give you which one. And if, and if you win, you be honest, you can Venmo it. <laughs> All right. You're, yes, I will be very honest cool. when I'm in. I, I, have a, I have a casino <laughs> like 40 minutes from my house. So I want to make this painfully this awkward for all of us. Like online transactions, I'm sure this is against the law. So I, I needed to shut up now as we're going. Nick, you have fun <laughs> in Vegas, man. I'm excited to see what you'll do uh, from that press box, getting to see this brand new stadium. And I know Mason and I will be here uh, for the post game show. And we're planning on you joining in and we'll see how that all shakes out technology wise so uh, i'm sure we'll you know we'll keep your i was going to say seat nice and warm but your mic or at least your spot here on the stream uh, ready for you and uh looking forward to your coverage out there man have a safe trip thank you yeah i look forward to being out there and seeing again really that up-to-date awesome stadium so it's gonna be really cool uh, Vegas says, uh, I'm Cliff Vegas says, Cliff says Vegas love people who play like that. I know it's not strategic. I'm just having fun here. All right. <laughs> uh, that's going to do it for this episode. Bear Sands. Thank you to everyone who tuned into the show, whether it's here in a live stream. I'll see you guys all active here on Thursday night. Appreciate it. Uh, if you're watching the replay, thank you so much. And to all the thousands of listeners of the podcast across the globe, uh, just know we appreciate every single one of you. If you haven't yet subscribed to our channel, I think we're almost to uh, what, 7.7 thousand subscribers, some milestone like that. I think the last I saw was like six, uh, 7.69, if I remember correctly, Nick. Just wanted to make sure you know that I noticed that as well. And, of course, if you can rate, review, or show an Apple podcast, uh, that does go a long way, helping us reach more Bears fans as well as uh, some potential talks that we're having with sponsors. And we do have a few of those behind the scenes, so we can kind of change some things up here uh, for all y'all. Uh, but the next time you hear from us will be right after the game for our post-game show. Uh, Nick will join us from the stadium uh, in some fashion or another. But until next time, bear down, Chicago.